Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As long as we continue to fight for what is right, like insured civil rights legislation, protections will eventually bend towards justice. I sure hope so. <laughs> Maybe somebody else over there doesn't agree. It is a right we will continually have to fight for in each generation because there will always be someone there ready to take what isn't theirs and doesn't belong to them. This is our next definition. The people who drafted our Constitution must have known some of the most important issues because they seem to actually roll into one another. But the next definition we're going to have is personal rights. We got it from U.S. Legal, and it says, quote, Personal rights refer to the rights which a person has in relation strictly to the duties owed to him by others and the wrongs consequent to the breach or violation of such duties. The terminology wasn't as clear, so I also got the legal dictionary one, and it says, quote, Personal rights held by individuals which are not bestowed by law, custom, or belief, and which cannot be taken or given away or transferred to another person, are referred to as inalienable rights. They are beyond the control of the government, being naturally given to every individual at birth and retained throughout their life. So those are personal rights. And now wouldn't it be nice if dignity was added into personal rights? How often are people stripped of this valuable possession due to the greed of others? This can happen by our next definition. We can actually regain our dignity with our personal rights. And we can do this how? It came through learning to give. Right to petition, which means, quote, The freedom includes the right to gather signatures in support of a cause and to lobby legislative bodies for or against legislation. For example, legislation that makes it equal for insurers and insurance companies, insurers, that means us, the policyholders, and insurers to be treated equally under the law instead of, in my opinion, it's really slanted on their behalf. But I'll go ahead and get back before I really get off on that one. Right to petition. It says, quote, and this was by learning to give. This freedom includes the right to gather signatures in support of a cause and to lobby legislative bodies for or against legislation, like for insured civil rights legislation, which would make it fair and equal on both sides for the insured, which is us, or the insureds, instead of having power slanted to the insurance companies and leaving a lot of us uh, in a bad position. The right to present requests to the government without punishment or reprisal. So this is how we shall get insured civil rights legislation passed. We must show that we will stand against the injustices many face when denied insurance benefits, settlements, or deal with surveillance as a reprisal or punishment when we stand up for our rights. Are you ready to fight? I sincerely hope so, because your signature is going to be needed to bring this legislation to pass. Be ready to stand up for yourself and others 
who faced these same issues for decades. We deserve the respect and dignity promised when we signed up for insurance and before a collision. Letting insurers creep by without doing what is right has got to change. Which brings us to the definition right of assemblage. And we've got this definition from dictionary.com. And it goes, quote, A group of persons or things gathered or collected, an assembly, a collection, aggregate. The act of assembling, state of assembled. So what's the best example of this? The march is taking place all over the country. We have the right to assemble. Sometimes a permit is required to do so, and police bring batons, sprays, military equipment for intimidation purposes. Yet we as citizens of this country have the right to peacefully protest. I'm not sure what law enforcement causes their stance. But my question is, why is police actions typically to protect the interest of Wall Street and not the citizens out on the street standing for change? Which brings up the questions, are we as Americans still standing for our rights or becoming more of a dictator country than in the past? This is a topic for another day, but I'm just saying, All right, Google defines freedom of speech as the right to express any opinion without censorship or restraint. How many places have you felt censorship on what you've said? Conformancy prevents many people from growing into whom they really are, but it sacrifices who you'll become. So remember, in this country so far, you indeed have the right of free speech. Let's jump into the first five sections of Article 1 on Washington State's Constitution. Now that we have some history, let's go down and take a look at each one of the articles, sections 1 through 5, in the Washington State Constitution. I want to start off, though, by what it states. It says, We the people of the state of Washington, grateful to the supreme ruler of the universe, for our liberties do ordain this Constitution. And it says Washington State Constitution. And I wanted just to share something with you that I found interesting. That all 50 states state God as the supreme ruler of the universe. So our country has really been rooted in uh, deep religious beliefs if you go through and look at our Constitution. So Article 1 is the Declaration of Rights. And I said earlier how I'd noticed how they had actually made this a they had thought this through in the way in which they set these declarations up in the, the sections of each one. So number one is political power. And it's defined as all political power is inherent in the people and governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. I want to read that again because that's so important. It's a, a lot of times it's being left out. It states... And governments derive their just power, not their superior power, power, not their privileged power, not power that they can steal, it says. And governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. That means us, people. It means they are governed by us, not the reverse. In other words, they are governed by us, not us by them. Hope I said that right. So basically what I was trying to say was that they are governed by us. We are not governed by them. And the rest goes, and are established to protect and maintain individual rights. 
Did you hear that? It didn't say that it's the rights of corporations and that they have more rights than uh, individual rights. It says, and establish and protect and maintain individual rights. So let me read this whole thing to you with all the important points in place. For political power, which is Section 1 of Washington State's Constitution, it says, All political power is inherent in the people, and governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed and are established to what? Protect and maintain individual rights. So hopefully that will give you something to think of when somebody actually tells you the government is the one who has to say. It's not. It's the people who run the government. Okay, so we have Article 1, Declaration Rights, and we're going to go to the Section 2, which is Supreme Law of the Land. Okay, and it says, quote, The Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of the land. And this one I'm not as impressed with because... In my opinion, a lot of corporations and Wall Street uses a lot of things in in this particular section to be able to take advantage of, to me, the average person. But what it basically says, from my opinion, is that, that the United States, and that's the federal, is above even the states. It says the Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of the land. So if it's, if it's in the law, it's supreme law, then that's what we have to follow. So that's Section 2, which is the supreme law of the land. So Washington State Constitution, and we're still in Article 1, which is the Declaration of Rights. Uh, Section 3 is about personal rights. And we often hear this a lot. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Right, So they can't come and take things from you and not offer you compensation, by the way, if it's maybe the government wanting to run a new highway through your front door. So they can't just say, hey, we're going to take your, your house because we need it to run. They have to compensate you for what they do. And there's some rules to that. But it says, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So if somebody's trying to uh, do things to you that are not legal, then you can say, hey, I know you go take a look at Section 3 of Article 1, the Declarations of Right, because it tells me no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So they can't just come and do it just because they want to. All right, the next section is Section 4, and it's the right of petition and assemblage. Okay, and it reads, quote, the right of petition of the people peaceably to assemble for the common good shall never be abridged. You know, so maybe we should tell that to law enforcement when they're bringing their, you know, their their powder or pepper spray and clubs and whatever they're going to use to intimidate that that's not what they're supposed to do. And particularly when we're assembling peacefully. So let me read this again. This is the Section 4, Right of Petition and Assemblage. Okay, so you can do both of those. You have a right to petition and you have a right for assemblage. Okay, it says the right of petition and of the people peaceably to assemble for what the common good shall never be abridged. In other words, we know what's good for us and what's not. And that's why you see so many of us right now in town halls. We know this Trump Bryan healthcare package is not for the common good. It's for the common wealthy folks, not the ones who need the health, need the care. 
and you're you're hearing people coming out all over the country talking about how Obamacare has saved their lives. They're not making up these stories. They this is their life. You can actually probably go and look at a lot of them and see that the suffering that they have uh, been exposed to or will be exposed to through, through uh, the passage of this new Trump Ryan health care would really devastate far too many people's lives, at least from my perspective. So if you're looking at Obamacare and you're looking at the Ryan Trump or Trump Ryan Healthcare, compare them and see which one really it seems like it's looking out for the people and which ones are looking out for themselves. Okay. So the next one and the last one we're going to do, right, is Section 5. It's freedom of speech, right? And it's also in Article 1 in Declaration of Rights. And remember, we have to get through, we don't have to, we're going to get through approximately 35 of these sections just in Article 1 and expound on them so we make sure that you know how to declare your rights and what that means. So the freedom of speech says, quote, Every person may speak freely, write, and publish on all subjects. Did it say the subject that only certain people want to hear? No. It says all subjects being responsible for the abuse of that right, right? So you have to, you can't say, well, I have this freedom and forget everyone else. You, you still have to, to have that, you know, kind of respect for other people's boundaries. It doesn't mean you can't do what you need to do, but it has to be done in accordance to uh, in a responsible way. But let me read this again. It says, every person may what? Speak freely. What else? Write freely. What else? Publish freely on all subjects. Now, this doesn't mean that certain people are not going to want you to write about what you want. And guess what? They are going to try to block you. They're not going to let everything go through. They're going to continue to harass and intimidate and throw money far more, if it's especially if it's insurance care, throw far more money than imaginable than, than the average person will ever see. But the good news is persistence, determination, and exposure does matter. And with the millions of people that have been suffering through uh, bad faith experiences with insurance companies, companies who won't pay surveillance just to bully in, to shut people down, all those things, there are millions of us out there. And all we have to do is stand up. And when we all stand up together, I think we'll be shocked just how many of us that there are. So anyway, I want to make sure that you understand. Every person may freely speak, write, and publish on all subjects, being responsible for the abuse of that right. And that's Section 5 of Article 1, Freedom of Speech. And this is in the Washington State Constitution. So hopefully that hasn't overwhelmed you. We're going to take it nice and slow and be comfortable. If you have questions, please go ahead and give me a call at 718-766-4385 at Talking About You with Estra on Block Talk Radio and also podcasts on iTunes. Welcome, listeners. State Constitution Basics for Everyday People Series Part 3 is a continuation. You can always listen to the previous shows here on Talking About You with Estra on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, EstraSeattle.com. It's about serving you with information that will change life for everyday people. This helps to become your best advocate along with making us stronger through the insurance claim process. And that's whether we're dealing with auto insurance companies, employers, SSDI, or anyone else for that matter. The bottom line is that we should be protected by the laws already in place 
and get legislation passed to protect us wherever vulnerabilities exist. Join me, Estra, in this new series to help everyday people learn more about what the constitutional rights are for them. I'll be using the Washington State Constitution. However, most states are similar in nature. And during the series, we will explore additional state constitutions. So dial 718-766-4385 and let me know about your story tonight. Millions of us need no longer remain silent. It's time to speak up. The section of Article 1 for Washington State's constitutions that we'll be talking about are Sections 6, 7, 8, and 9. Section 6 is on oaths. Section 7, invasion of private affairs or home prohibited. Section 8 is irrevocable privileges, franchise, and immunities prohibited. And Section 9 is right of an accused person. So don't let those terms kind of throw you. It's, it's a lot more simpler than they sound. So let's jump to Section 6 of the sections for Article 1 on Washington State's Constitution. Section 6, which is oaths, and it's the mode of administering. In Washington State Constitution states, the mode of administering an oath or affirmation shall be such as may be most consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person to whom the oath or affirmation may be administered. So to make that easy and, and not to sound as complicated as sometimes it might be, is, is the example would be like when President uh, Trump was inaugurated, right? He stood up, he held up his hand, and he took the oath to become president, right? I thought it was really important when it talks about administering the oath shall be such as the most consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person, right? So to me, that says talks a lot about loyalty when we take an oath. People becoming U.S. citizens are also administered an oath to pledge to the country in which they're taking that oath for. People in Congress, believe it or not, also take that oath. I wonder about that some days in the way in which they act. But they also take oaths. That oath means that it's binding to you. Also, people in the military are also administered an oath. So that's what they're talking about. Section 6, oath. Mode of administering, right? Let me read it again. It says, The mode of administering an oath or affirmation shall be such as may be most consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person to whom such an oath or affirmation may be administered, right? So when you get that oath, they want you to know that you are actually seriously committing to that action. Section 7, which is the invasion of private affairs or home prohibited, for Washington State Constitution, it states, No person shall be disturbed in his private affairs or his home invaded without authority of law. Okay, so, you know, someone down the street just can't just block it, not come in your home and do whatever they want. They, they have no permission. That's your homestead, right? Police cannot enter your home without a warrant under most conditions. Okay, if you're doing some things wrong, things going bad, I'm sure that they'll be able to do that. But an average person just sitting in their home watching television, doing nothing, no, they can't. They can knock on your door and they can ask you to come in, but you don't actually have to let them in unless they have a warrant. Your business, as long as legal, allows you to continue without interruption, okay? So long as you're just going around, being, doing your own business, being an average day citizen, 
your rights should not be invaded. Your home is your domain and cannot be invaded without due process. So they have to hand you this paper and say, hey, we have the right to come in because of this reason, and the judge has to agree. Okay, Section 8 says irrevocable privileges, franchise, or immunity prohibited. And I know a lot of these terms kind of can get you going, especially when they're using them in the way in which they are here. But it's, it's not really as difficult as it sounds. It's In Washington State, it says, quote, No law granting irrevocable any privilege, franchise, or immunity shall be passed by the legislature, which means everyone has boundaries, including people in political office, okay? This means laws cannot be changed to take away your personal rights. Very simple. If it's a personal right, we've been giving it, giving it to us by the Constitution, they just can't come in and take it away, okay? And particularly because maybe somebody else wants something that you have, right? Now, we've seen some some legislation kind of go around and about and eventually take things away. One of the things I like to think about is poor people who own homes and taxes. All of a sudden, people's taxes go way up. And what happens? They end up not being able to take keep their homes because they've been priced out. And what happens? Usually gentrification is on the way. Uh, for me, that I have a problem with the way in that the way in which that works, and I think something needs to be done about that because it hurts far too many people. Okay, so for me, it says there's no law. I'll go ahead and read Section 8 again. It says no law granting irrevocable any privileges, franchise, or immunity shall be passed by the legislature. So I think in previous times we're a little bit more sensitive to what belongs to people than what we are now. We'll see how that goes, and particularly with net neutrality. Section 9 is rights of an accused person, and Washington State says no person shall be compelled in any criminal case to give up evidence against themselves or be twice put in jeopardy for the same offense. Offense That means you can't be tried twice for the same offense. But it also says that they can't force you to make a confession. Now, Lord knows we've seen that happen far too many times, right? Where people have been forced to say things that they don't necessarily agree with. So I'm not an attorney, so you'd have to talk with an attorney on this. But from my point of view, uh, you, I, would, I would hold strong. You know, you, you still want to come out alive. You know, too many black people have not necessarily come out alive by standing their ground. And that's what I call it. But you have the right to stand your ground. Uh, and you can say, no, I choose not to. And, and actually, what I would personally do is say, I have a right to an attorney, and I'm certainly invo invoking that, because probably that's the best uh, way in a difficult situation, if, of course, you can find an attorney that's not working with the police or has other things in their mind or just not someone who's looking out for your best interest. In fact, whenever it comes to you trying to get something done and it's a problem, whenever you get in a situation where you have to stand up for yourself, do the best you can always and find someone else who's willing to do that same thing on your behalf. See, it's, it's not that difficult to understand your rights. When they are not shared and you remain ignorant, it provides an opportunity for abuse and unjust actions, okay? Let me say that again because that's the most important thing, in my opinion, about not knowing your rights. First of all, it's not too difficult to understand your rights. When they are not shared and you remain ignorant, it provides opportunity 
for abuse and unjust actions. And unfortunately, there's too many people in our society who end up in just that situation. Regardless of your situation, they'll stand up because there are millions of others going through the same obstacles and you can make it through. Whether these are actions of auto insurance companies, employers, social security disability, disability surveillance, or bullying and intimidation tactics. Just hang on and you will make it. I've got to say that again. Just hang on and you will make it. And don't keep it a secret. A lot of abuse, like I've said before, and unjust actions occur because people don't talk about it. And the abuse continues. You don't deserve to be abused. No one deserves to be abused. Please speak out. And if you have any questions on any of these sections, let me read them again. We've got six of them here. The first one is for Article 1 now, because we're only going to do Article 1 of Washington State Constitution, and we'll look at some of the other, other uh, constitutions, see if we find some other things in there that perhaps aren't in Washington states. So Section 6 is oaths. Section 7 is invasions of private affairs or home prohibited. Section 8 is irrevocable privilege, franchise, or immunity. And Section 9 is rights of an accused person. If you have any questions, make sure that you uh, send me a message. You can contact at estrascarrechelp.com. You can also send me a note on Estra's radio show. That's on Twitter. You just say hashtag treat me right because you deserve to be treated right. Eleven of the Washington State Constitution. Quote, Absolute freedom of conscience is all matters of religious sentiment, belief, and worship shall be guaranteed to every individual, and no one shall be molested or disturbed in person or property on account of religion. But the liberty of the conscience hereby secured shall not be so consumed as to excuse acts of licitousness or justify practices inconsistent with the peace and safety of the state. No public money or property shall be appropriated for or applied to any religious worship, exercise or instruction, or the support of any religious establishment, provided, however, that this article shall not be so construed as to forbid the employment by the state of a chaplain for such of a state custodial, correctional, or mental institution, or by counties or public hospital districts, hospitals, health care facilities, or hospice, as in the discretion of legislature may seem justified. No religious qualification shall be required for any public office, or employment, nor shall any person be incompetent as a witness or juror in consequence of his opinion on matters of religion, nor be questioned in any court of justice touching his religious belief to affect the weight of his testimony. From my review, it seems like there was a lot more information out there on religious freedoms and people's concerns. But it basically, if you want to break it out, it says that any religion that you practice, you are free to do so in the United States. 
It cannot be used against you as far as employment, the way that you worship, or somebody else's uh, dislike about how you believe. Therefore, that is a freedom that most of us don't realize unless we go to another country and we're not free to worship as we please. That's a very important constitutional right that you have. So be aware of whether you're Muslim, which it seems like is a problem for some people in our country. You still have the right to worship as you wish. And as someone else mentioned that Muslims have been here in the United States from the very beginning. So let's not pick on anyone because anytime we separate out one group of people, it will eventually get back to us all. Section 12 of Article 1 of Washington State's Constitution is about special privileges and immunities prohibited. So you can't get them. It says, quote, no law shall be passed granting to any citizen, class of citizen, or corporation other than municipal privileges or immunities, which upon the same term shall not equally belong to all citizens or corporations. So, in my opinion, that's saying things should be fair, equal. And another example I found from the legal dictionary, it basically states, it says that uh, this Constitution places the citizens of each state on an equal basis with citizens of other states in respect to advantages resulting from citizenship in those states and citizens in the United States. So they're trying to keep it a fair playing field, at least our Constitution is anyway, for every state in our union. Section 13 of Article 1 of Washington State Constitution states, quote, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless, in case of rebellion or invasion, the public safety requires it. How many terms have we heard about habeas corpus? And that's not the easiest way to understand it. So I found another simpler one here. And it's from Google, and it says, quote, a writ requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into the court grounds as shown for their detention. The legal right to apply for habeas corpus. Section 14 is excessive bail, fines, and punishment. Quote, excessive bail shall not be required, excessive fines imposed, nor cruel punishment inflicted. End quote. When I hear this, I think of a perfect world because it seems like we hear so many cases about where that doesn't happen. It's kind of disturbing. Section 15 is convictions, the effects of. And it says, no conviction shall work corruption of blood nor forfeiture of a state. And to me, that was definitely a little bit confusing. So I did find a one that talks about it a little better. And this primarily talks about not only if someone's convicted, and particularly not only of a felony, but a misdemeanor, how that can impact the rest of their lives. It can prevent them from getting housing rights, access to loans, family rights, and just, they say, a whole lot of things can go on with that. It says, misdemeanor convictions can trigger the same legal hindrances known as collateral consequences as felonies, and there are fewer routes to expunging them from your criminal record. Not only can you be convicted, but there are some penalties that are typically paid from having something like that on your record. Well, that's what they're calling that. Convictions, the effects of. And by the way, that quote actually came from Mayor Rondon, who is part of the time. So I got that little section from time.com. And by the way, the article is certainly worth reading.
We are on part five of the series State Constitution Basics for Everyday People. The previous parts are available to hear on Block Talk Radio and iTunes under Talking About You with Estra, along with my sites of estrascarwreckhelp.com and estraseattle.com. Sections on Part 5 includes 16, which is eminent domain, 17, imprisonment for debt, 18, military power or the limitation of, freedom of elections, bail when authorized, trial by jury, rights of the accused. Regardless of who we're dealing with, when we know our rights, we are empowered. We cannot be abused, mistreated, or told something different that's not in our best interest. And if you've been in a car accident, you really do want to know your basic rights. And the reason for this is because they may not necessarily tell you the truth. Not all state constitutions are the same, but the majority of them do have the basic concepts, which are the same. As I mentioned before, after we complete reviewing Washington state constitution, we will also highlight some of the differences some of the other states do have. Again, thanks for your patience on program volumes. I'm still having technical difficulties, but hope to get through them and get them fixed soon. So let's light up the phone lines now with your questions and comments on today's show. Dial 718-766-4385. I'm here and care about your auto accident concerns, surveillance, disability, personal recovery, and much, much more. The number is 718 718- 7664385 It's not too difficult to understand your constitutional rights when they are not shared it provides opportunity for abuse and unjust actions regardless of your situation stand up there are millions of others going through the same obstacles and you can make it through whether these actions are from the auto insurance companies employers social security disability disability surveillance or bullying and intimidation just hang on in there and you'll make it and remember i'm here estra to support you through your efforts washington state constitution section 16 is for eminent domain and it states quote and it's a little long so be a little patient here it says private property shall not be taken for private use except for private ways of necessity and for drains flumes or ditches on or across the lands of other agricultural domestic or sanitary purposes no private property shall be taken or damaged for public or private use without just compensation having first been made right so therefore they can't just come and take your land and say we're going to take it we need it for this public or private project and there's nothing you can do if they want your land something to do with public or private use from the government mind you not anybody else they have to first compensate you and it has to be just compensation made first or paid into court for the owner, and no right-of-way shall be appropriated to the use of any corporation other than municipal until full compensation, therefore, be made in money. So they're saying, do not be fooled, somebody can't just come and take your land, or ascertain and paid into court for the owner. That means it has to go through the court to say that this is just and that it is required. Which compensation shall be ascertained by a jury unless a jury may be waived? So you could go to court and say, I don't want to lose my land. I'm going to fight for it. You do have options. It says, as in other civil cases in courts of records, in the manner prescribed by law. 
So you don't have to just roll over if somebody comes over and says they're going to take your land. You can fight for it. Doesn't mean you necessarily win it if it's something that's needed for public use, but you can sure give it your best shot. Whenever an attempt is made to take private property for the use alleged to be public, the question whether the the contemplated use be really public shall be a judicial question and determined as such with regard to any legislation, assertion that is used is public. All right, so they can't just come and say that they're going to build something on your land for the public and then a year later here comes a private company building on your land. That's not how that works. Okay. So that gives you an idea about eminent domain. And there have, I think, been a couple amendments to it too. If you're interested in that, make sure that you know that it's section 16 for the Washington State Constitution and you can go take a look. Section 17, imprisonment for debt. There shall be no imprisonment for debt except in cases of absconding debtors, which is cheating. If you're not out there cheating, you don't have any snake oil you're trying to sell or make a profit on and take advantage of people. I mean, there's a lot of cases recently in the news where you've heard of people trying to con, and particularly seniors or disabled or people who are not familiar with the scam. And unfortunately, they even have IRS scans coming out today to try to take your whatever you receive back after you've paid in. So just be careful because there's a lot of people out there who will do things that are not appropriate. But the key to Section 17 is you cannot be imprisoned for debt. Credit card debt is not good, but they can't put you in prison for it, okay? They might try to come and take a few things. You know, who knows? They'll probably try to force you into bankruptcy. There's so many different things people do today that can be deviant. The best thing is to try to stay out of debt. And fortunately, we don't know. Another recession may be on the way in the next year or two. So if you are getting tons of credit cards, and people are saying, hey, buy this. Here's time for a new car. Maybe you might want to wait it out and kind of get an idea of where our economy's going and where things, what's really happening. And by the way, if you, I don't know if you noticed yet, but the actual interest rates seem to be going up higher and higher. So this may not necessarily be a good time to make an investment that you can maybe put off a little bit. Section 18 is military power or the limitations of. It says the military shall be in strict subordination to the civil powers. One of the things in which we actually haven't seen in our communities until as of late, after 9-11, there's been a lot of legislation that's been passed, which hasn't necessarily been for the good of the people, but perhaps the good of the military or good for corporations, since they tend to use the police and the military more than individual citizens. But there are rules for them to follow. We saw some of the things that didn't quite go well with Black Lives Matter. To me, that's a good example of military power and who they're using it for. I'm sure that people of color, and particularly black people at that time, didn't feel that it was used appropriately. And Ferguson definitely showed us ways in which it was not used right. Know that there are rules, and if you have military coming into your community, you might want to take a look at that and actually look into the details and see what their limitations of power is. Section 19 is freedom of election. And it says, all elections shall be free and equal, and no power, civil or military, shall at any time interfere to prevent the free exercise of the right of suffrage. And the question I have is, in this last election, there were 22 states that actually passed laws that made it much more difficult for anybody to vote. What are they thinking? You know, and actually they did a lot of redistricting, the Republicans did, in order to make it so that they would almost be guaranteed to win the election. 
that's not of the country that we've been, we live in. We live in the right of and equal for everyone to be able to vote. There were so many seniors who have been used to voting that weren't able to vote. And why was that? Because they made it difficult for seniors to vote or people with low resources to vote, to have to go out and pay in order to be able to vote. They created things that weren't necessarily acceptable. Do vote because, as we've seen from the the previous election in 2016, not voting can be costly. And the main thing is to, they call a lot of people, what do they say, low information voters? I don't believe anyone has to be a low information voter. There's newspapers, there's television, there's the internet. The key is to just don't listen to one type of information. Listen to all information so that you can actually be able to understand what's going on from different perspectives. So when you're making the decision as to who to vote for, you have all the information. If you only listen to one media outlet, you're only going to get typically one point of view. We all need more than one point of view. So that's section 19, freedom of elections. And by the way, there's another part in here which talks about being able to put out people who actually you have elected on a local state level. And I think that's important because a lot of times we don't think that we have options when we do. So if your legislations aren't doing right or they're not even helping you in the needs that you've been asking them to, like insured civil rights legislation in in my particular state, there are things you can do in, in letting people know. It's really important to be able to do something about people who aren't doing the right things for you. And by the way, insured civil rights legislation is going to be a referendum on Washington state. Actually sign up to get it on there because when insurance companies or Social Security Disability or your employer under ERISA can do things that aren't acceptable, that you find it difficult because they have the resources and the power and the legislation set in their favor, we need help. If you're in an accident and you're injured and you've been paying premiums to your insurance company, your employer, Social Security, whoever that might be, you should have the right to receive those benefits and settlements. should not be harassed or intimidated or have them allow them to have surveillance just because they don't want to pay you. To me, that's truly a problem. And we do need elected officials who will take this matter seriously and do something about it. Now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with State Constitution for Washington State. This is Estra with Talking About You with Estra Radio Show and Podcast. You are back with Talking About You with Estra from Seattle, Washington, USA. Be sure to light up the phones again at 718-766-4385. Again, that number is 718-766-4385. Now we're going to move on to Section 20 of the United of Washington State's Constitution and its actual bail when authorized. And it says, all persons charged with a crime shall be bailable by sufficient sureties, that's money, okay, except for capital offenses where the proof is evident or the presumption is great. That means you're in deep doo-doo. Bail may be denied for offenses punishable by the possibility of life in prison upon showing by clear and convincing evidence of the propensity for violence that creates a substantial likelihood of danger to the community or any person subject to such limitations as shall be determined by the legislature. 
if something happens and it's a normal run-of-the-mill problem, you should be able to post bail and be able to get out until your court date. Unfortunately, we have prison mills that actually keep poor people, which sometimes don't have a penny in our pockets, in jail. You know, and, and that's a tragedy. We shouldn't be kept in jail because of being poor. You can't imprison us for a debt, so why should you be able to keep us in jail because we're poor? I know that the legislation has, legislators have been looking at that. So I do hope they will consider that prison mills and just another form of slavery, in my opinion, and that's not something we should be building our country upon. We need people to have jobs and be respected and be treated right. And I suspect if that were the case, many of those people, first of all, would not be desperate in desperate situation and being in positions that cause their life more trauma than it's worth. Let's hope that somebody on the federal level or on the state level or even the community level, because that's usually where things start, decides that it's time to make a difference for people and not just to put poor people in prison. People who are poor are not to be thrown away. Poor people should be respected as well as anybody else. Poor people work just as hard, live life to the best of their abilities, and struggle a lot more than the average person. So if you get into trouble, please try to stay out of trouble. It's not worth it, especially in our society, especially if you're a person of color, because you usually get a worse sentence than a person that would be white. That hasn't changed. It's just a hard way to go. So let's try to help each other. If you don't have something, you see somebody else needs something, help them. If you have something and somebody else needs something, help them. It's really important that we stick together because poverty is really a hard way to live. But when you have support, most of us can get through just about anything. And that's why I'm here talking about insured civil rights legislation, people involved in car accidents where insurance companies don't pay them because they can and poor people don't have the means to fight them. What kind of people would treat people that way? You know, they say God don't like ugly and I hope that's true because some of the things that happen to people that are just trying to live it's just in our society today, just and from my perspective, isn't right. Anything we can do to make life more positive for everybody, that's, that's what's important. Remember, if you end up in trouble, you can post bail, all right? Section 21 for Washington State's Constitution is trial by jury. And it says, the right of a trial by jury shall remain inviolate, but the legislature may provide a jury of any number less than 12 in courts not of record. So, you know, you always see juries of 12, but it looks like that's not necessarily always the case. And for a verdict by nine or more jurors in civil cases. So if you have a civil case, though, you go to sue someone, in particular like your insurance companies, you need to have nine if you do jury. You can also just have a judge. But, you know, you don't know how that's going to go either because there's a lot of things that federal judicial system is set for them. And so if you're coming up against them in that system, uh, it's going to be very difficult. Make sure that if you decide to, to go to court by jury, that you do have options. You can It can be a jury of 12 or it could be a jury of nine if it's a civil case. I'm going to go ahead and read it again. It says, The right of a trial by jury shall remain inviolate, but the legislature may provide for a jury of any number less than 12 in courts not of record and for a verdict by nine or more jurors in civil cases in any court of record and for waiving of the jury in civil cases where the consent of the parties interested are there too. So there are options when you go to, to jury. From my perspective, that's the most important, is to have an attorney. If you're going to have an attorney, you can do it yourself. To me, if you're in a car accident and you don't have the money, it's still important to show what these insurance companies or employers or SSDI has done to you. 
If you've been mistreated or abused in any way through surveillance, money stopping at hard times to make it more difficult for you to be able to survive, there's, a, in my opinion, there's a million and one things that they can do to try to, to make your life miserable. I personally believe you still need to stand and file that in court. And the reason why I say file it in court is because the more documentation that shows the abuses that policyholders endure, the more people will stand up and say, we know we have to have this changed. And that, again, is the reason for insurance civil rights legislation. Auto insurance companies or other insurance companies, long-term disabilities, employer ERISA, they already have a lot of things in place to protect them. But we don't have enough. Poor people in particular, we really don't have enough. If we did, then you know, we'd have, we'd have more of an opportunity to ensure that we would get our benefits when we're not getting them. Something needs to change. And the only way that's going to happen is our voices coming together and saying it's time for poor people, people that are insured, that don't have millions of dollars. Like Donald Trump, by the way, this week spent $1,500 an hour for his attorneys. How many poor people you know that wouldn't be called poor people if they had $1,500 an hour to pay for an attorney? And you know if you have an attorney, it's going to take several, several hours. So no matter which way you choose to go, what I would always just say is to stand and fight. And there is support. Make sure you go out to estrascarwreckhelp.com or Astra Seattle because there's a lot of information out there to encourage you in getting you through that. And the more that I learn, I promise that I'll share it with you. Okay, the last one we're going to do today is Section 22. It's the rights of the accused. And it says, quote, for the Washington State Constitution, in criminal prosecutions, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person or by counsel. That means you could do it with yourself or with an attorney to demand the nature and cause of the accusations against them. That means you need to know what you're being accused of. To have a copy thereof and to testify on your own behalf, that means you should be able to have a copy of what you're being accused of and you can be able to stand up and tell your own side of the story. To meet with witnesses against him face-to-face, that means to face your accusers. We hear that a lot, uh, like on Perry Mason. It says, in criminal prosecutions, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person or by counsel to demand the nature and cause of the accusation against him, to have a copy thereof and testify in his own behalf, to meet witnesses against him face to face, to have compulsory process to compel the attendance of witnesses in his own behalf. That means to subpoena people to actually show what's happened uh, on your behalf, to have a speedy public trial. Now that also is a pet peeve of mine because they have all these poor people, what in prison? Is there a speedy trial for them? No, they're spending money months or even years and even some have even spent over a decade for that so to have compulsory process to compel the attendance of witnesses in his own behalf to have a speedy public trial that's what I was talking about because people aren't getting those by an impartial jury impartial jury you know one of the things they always talk about is a jury of your peers who's your peers to me a jury of my peers would be people who actually live the life I live knows the circumstances and can can see it from just not only your perspective because everyone lives has their own life to live but from their perspective but to be able to get a, a, an honest assessment 
As of late, we've had sets of jurors go in and be instructed by judges, and some of the things they've been instructed to do don't necessarily fit what the law is, in particular, that are poor. I don't think there's as much of a problem with uh, what the jury is told to do in cases where they're wealthy. They make sure that what the jury is expected to deliberate is something that's according to the laws. From my perspective, the people who always tend to get the short end of the stick from the law are poor people, and that's why we just have to change that. We're supposed to be a society where things are equal, and it seems like more and more every day we find things where that's not the case, things that are being exposed. I think the Internet is a great tool for learning a lot about what's going on in our societies. If you have an opportunity, make sure you go out and look at people whom you believe aren't making fake news but are legitimate places who are interested in getting real community information out to those who are interested in making this world a better place. So that is the last one, Rights of the Accused. Let's take a quick break. Listeners, we've covered a lot of material today. If you have any questions, make sure to leave me a message at Hashtag Estra's Radio Show on Twitter or Talking About You with Estra on Facebook. And you can send me a personal note at uh, help at estraseattle.com or my story at estrascarrechelp.com. Also, remember that the information is online for your state to review. So just look up constitutional law for the state of Washington, Oregon, New York, or any place within the United States. This should be the beginning of the discovery. Each one of these sections have court cases associated with them and will provide greater information on how they're being currently used. Be empowered and fight through whatever struggles you might be facing today. Be informed of your constitutional rights and don't be afraid to speak truth to power. Let's stop being victims and advocate for our rights as informed, insured drivers. The more we know about our rights concerning a car accident, the better off in life we'll be. Thanks for your participation today. And remember, I'm always available for support and advocacy through your accident struggles or whatever else might come your way. Listeners, today we are on part six of this series, State Constitution Basics for Everyday People. The previous parts are available to hear on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, under Talking About You with Estra, along with my websites, estracarrechelp.com, one word, and estraseattle.com. Thanks for joining me, Estra, today. With so much going on in our country, it's important more than ever to understand your rights and constitutional basics. Our forefathers wrote them in such a way all of us can understand what they mean and provide an opportunity to apply them in everyday life. Again, thanks for your patience on the program volumes. I'm still having technical difficulties, but hope to get them fixed soon. We as citizens need to know the importance of our Constitution and why they were written for us today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Take a moment and think how you can help make sure they work for all of us and not just a few. We need you in our political process, for it is your participation that ends the corruption that might be a means to an end for a few, but hurts the majority of us. Giving our country away to only a few is a serious problem. We still have one of the freest countries in the world. However, if we do not all take a stance, 
It may not stay that way. Personally, insured civil rights legislation will be one of the best protections for all of us seeking fair and just treatment after a car accident. When power is distributed to insureds and a few means of protections for policyholders, the process begins to be slanted against those who need it most. What will insured civil rights legislation do? It will put an end to the insurance companies not paying out by using fine print in insured contracts, allowing employers to escape paying out ERISA benefits, and requiring SSDI to move in whichever the way the wind blows when a political party is in power, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, and they decide that Social Security must roll over privatizing money that does not belong to Wall Street or perform surveillance on SSDI recipients in order to eliminate people from receiving benefits. It's time to stand up for what is right for the people and not greed for a few. So let's get started with our discussion on Part 6 of the Constitution Basics for this reason. Today in this section we'll talk about Bill of Attainder, Rights to Bear Arm, Prosecution by Information, Grand Jury, and Treason. And that's Sections 23 to 27. So light up those phones right now with your questions and comments on today's show. Dial 718-766-4385. I'm here and I care. 718-766-4385. So let's start with Section 23. It's Bill Attainer. It says, Ex post facto law states, No bill of attainer, ex post facto law, or law impairing the ability, obligations of contracts shall ever be passed. Sounds kind of impressive, but it really is pretty simple. It talks about with retroactive effect or force. That's how Google defined it. And also, in light of a subsequent events. The one that I thought made it the most clear, however, was the dictionary.com's definition. And it says, quote, a law that makes illegal an act that was legal when committed, increases the penalties for an infraction after it has been committed, or changes the rules of evidence to make convictions easier. The Constitution, what prohibits, you hear that? Constitution prohibits the making of ex post facto law, right? So that's basically saying a law that makes illegal an act that was legal when it was committed. So I was saying if it was legal then, it's legal the next day, regardless if they change the laws. From my perspective, I wonder if some of the Republicans can have actually attempted to do this. Seems like lately there have been many things brought up by Congress that hurt the average person. By understanding what this means, though, it's easier to evaluate their behaviors. Of course, this also means being able to understand when they are enacting legislation, which is not always that easy. And a lot of times, unfortunately, this Congress, a Republican Congress, by the way, continues to add uh, information or switch up legislation and not even tell us about it. So we have to really keep our eyes open on what's going on with this particular Congress. Section 24 is the rights to bear arms, and it states, The right of individual citizens to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. Do you hear that? It shall not be impaired. But nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to organize, maintain, or employ an armed body of men. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like we have more of those sections of bodies of men, more of them than there used to be. Either that or we're more aware of them. So when you hear a president is supposed to take away your guns, don't listen to that nonsense. 
It's your constitutional right to bear arms. Let me say that again. It is your constitutional right to bear arms. The problem comes when these guns are used not for defense, but offense. When the purchase of guns is used to kill others, used for intimidation, and yes, another endless list they are not meant for, including more and more private companies building their own armies, our government using contractors instead of military for unsavory actions, it's up to each of us to decide how will we proceed to protect our families, communities, and country against guns that hurt people we love and care about. It's an individual choice we all have to make. So Section 25 is prosecution by information, and that states, Offenses heretofore required to be prosecuted by indictment may be prosecuted by information or by indictment as shall be prescribed by law. So let's take two uh, key words to define before we go into that. The first one is accusation, which is a charge or claim that someone has done something illegal or wrong. And the second one is indictment, which states a formal charge or accusation of a serious crime, a thing that serves to illustrate that a system or situation is bad and deserves to be condemned. And that was a from Google's section. Uh, Dictionary.com also had another uh, way of saying it. It's, quote, a formal accusation initiating a criminal case presented by a grand jury and usually required for felonies or other serious crimes. So therefore, in order to be held for a crime, you must first be accused and charged for it, and it must be serious in nature. Section 26 is uh, the grand jury, and it states, no grand jury shall be drawn or summoned in any county except by the superior judge thereof shall order it. So in other words, oh, you have to have it where the crime took place unless, of course, uh, the superior judge, for whatever reason, decides that it has to be uh, from someplace else. Therefore, in most cases, it's supposed to be a jury of your peers from local community. And in my opinion, this draws from a pool of people with similar values and understanding of the nature in the area. Section 27 is treason defined, and it states, Treason against the state shall consist only in levying war against the state, or adhering to its enemies, or giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or confession in open court. Now, you have something to evaluate on our current Russia-Trump administration discussion. Will their situation meet constitutional definition of treason? I suspect unless one is in the legal realm and familiar with this type of action, we cannot say. What we can do is understand what treason is, what it means, and how Russian Trump administration will be evaluated. Most importantly, we know love for the country should always come before desires, challenges, or anything else that could place our country in jeopardy, such as the election process. If we do not stand up for our country, who will? Respecting and honoring what citizens have built to date and carrying integrity and determination to make the United States should be held in the hearts of all Americans. Insured civil rights legislation is one way of making this happen for those involved in car collisions. Taking a stand for what we believe in matters. 
not only for insurance policyholders, but many areas of American life. Get busy. Is one of these constitutional sections calling your name? Its protections rely on you. Think about how you can get involved today. It's not too difficult to understand your rights. When they are not shared, it provides opportunities for abuse and unjust actions. Regardless of your situation, stand up. There are millions of others going through the same obstacles, and you too can make it through. Whether these actions are auto insurance, employers, social security disability, disability surveillance, bullying, or intimidation, just hang in there and you'll make it. In the meantime, let's continue to learn about constitutional basics for everyday people. Improving your knowledge about what's acceptable and what is not provides self-protections. Thanks for joining me on Talking About You with Estra's radio podcast. I'm here to help. Take a moment to visit the website. It's HTTPS. Make sure to use the S. It's HTTPS. EstrasCarWreckHelp.com. The time to learn about what happens after a car accident is before it happens. Take care of yourself, your family, friends, and communities. Welcome to Talking About You with Estra's radio podcast from Seattle, Washington, USA, a car accident talk show where auto insurance, employer ERISA, social security disability insurance, surveillance, and much, much more is talked about. There are over 400 podcasts ready for your listening pleasure and information. Every individual deserves the insurance care, settlements, and benefits promised by their insureds, whether public or private. Estra is a car accident advocate who writes, talks, develops videos, and personal brand tools to help protect your rights and privileges. Tired of getting the short end of the stick after a collision? Join me, Estra, by supporting insurance civil rights legislation to get those doing the wrong things to start doing them right. Listeners, today we are on part seven of the series, Constitutional Basics for Everyday People, talking about you with Estra on Block Talk Radio, iTunes Podcast, EstraCarWreckHelp.com, and Estra Seattle. This will be the last part of the Constitutional Basics for Everyday People series. The previous sections are available to hear on all those links just provided. The next show will contain all the constitutional basics in one. That means sections 1 through 7. Today, what we're going to talk about is sections 28, which is the hereditary, privileges abolished, 29 is the constitution mandatory, 30 is rights reserved, 31 is standing army, 32 is fundamental principles, 33 is recall of elected officials, and 34 is the same. And the last section is victims of crime. Somehow, the last eight sections of the Washington State Constitution here require greater explanations. Therefore, today we'll go a little slower to ensure understanding. Again, thanks for your patience on the program volumes. I'm still having a little technical difficulties, but I do hope to get them fixed by next week. So let's light up those phone calls today at 718-766-4385. I'm here and I care. The number is 
766-4385. So we're going to jump right in to Section 28, which is Hereditary Privileges Abolishes. And the state constitution says, No hereditary emoluments, privileges, or powers should be granted or conferred in this state. So let's see if we can break this down into English. Hereditary privileges, laws descending from an ancestor to a legal heir, passing down inheritance, law having title or possession through inheritance. Okay, so that's what they're talking about when they say hereditary. It has to be something like the king or the queen, something that can be passed down or something that's uh, from a position of power. Emoluments, we've been hearing this for, I don't know, this since Trump got into office. It says a salary fee or profit from employment or office. And for Trump, they're talking about the office of president. We've been hearing that a lot. So I went and took a look at what it says for the U.S. state constitution, right? Or the U.S. constitution versus just the state constitution, which I actually did find there's a lot of overlap in some of the areas. So emolument clause states, no title of nobility shall be granted by the United States and no person holding any office of trust or profit under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any presence, emoluments, office, or title of any kind whatsoever from any king, prince, or foreign state. And that's why they're talking about what Trump is doing currently in office. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole process goes, comes out with that. But after today, the good news is you'll know a little bit more about how to define some of those statements. So I'm going to go back and read it so that we've kind of cleared up a couple things here where it says sections 28, it's just a sentence or two. No hereditary emoluments, okay, that means that you can't get money and power and privileges from someplace outside the United States, shall be granted or conferred in this state. In this instance, we're talking about for Washington State because we're looking at Washington State's constitution. Uh, every state has one. A lot of them are similar. Some of them have a few different things, and that's why we are going to go through and take a look and see what some of the other states have. And we may even get to the U.S. Constitution maybe within the next year. We won't try to squeeze it all into it. We'll probably try to get to it before the next election since we've got some coming up in 218. Now we're going to go to Section 29 which is called Constitution Mandatory, that section. And it says, The provisions of this Constitution are mandatory unless by express words they are declared to be otherwise. In other words, the items in the Constitution must be respected unless there is something otherwise stated in a section which says it doesn't apply. So the next section is Section 30, Rights Reserved. And it says, quote, the enumeration in this constitution of certain rights shall be construed to deny others retained by the people. And now you see why we're spending a little bit more time on each one of the sections in these last seven, because for some reason they stopped speaking English. They started speaking something the average person doesn't necessarily get the first time through. And so that's why it took a little bit more time to break down each one of these so that we could see what they say. All rights reserved. The definitions that I've done to this far are basically done from Google searches that come up, and they're basically the, the first one. So you could actually go out, stick in any of these words, and you'll be able to see exactly where they came from. If it's not Google, just the one that they have up front, I've actually 
stated where the actual definitions came from. We're on section 30. Rights reserved is the, the, what we're talking about here. And I'll just read it just a sentence or two again. It says, enumeration in this constitution of certain rights shall be construed to deny others retained by the people. So I went up and I took a look at all rights reserved. And it's a phrase that originated in copyright law as a formal requirement for copyright notice. It indicates that the copyright holder reserves or holds for their own use all the rights provided by the copyright law under one specific copyright treaty. And that came from wikipedia.org. So in other words, you have the right to claim your unique work and others do not have the right to infringe upon what is yours without your permission and without facing legal consequences for those actions. Enumerate means to mention separately as if counting. Name one by one. Specify as in a list. This is from dictionary.com, and I thought that that was a little, a little bit easier when you're trying to figure out enumerate. When you're looking at the Constitution, you actually see where we have s several sectors. We have 1 through 35, and so that's basically allowing you to enumerate to see exactly what that right or that law is in this particular case. I just want to read the definition from dictionary.com because I thought it made it so much clearer. It says, to mention separately as if in counting, name one by one, specify as in a list. In summary, rights reserved contain the rights to protect by law specific work designed by an individual. I'm sure there's some companies also have that. Or in the case of the Constitution, each item defined by sector. Section 31 is standing army. No standing army shall be kept up by this state in time of peace, and no soldier in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of its owner nor in time of war except in the manner prescribed by law. So I thought, okay, we have to stop and, and break this out too. A standing army, unlike a reserve army, is a permanent, often professional army. It is composed of full-time soldiers and is not disbanded during times of peace. And that's a definition from Wikipedia. You remember many families in the South during the Civil War recall armies coming in and taking over their homes, food, land for military purposes without the owner's permission. Currently, this is illegal in Washington state under most circumstances. That's what they mean by standing army. Someone can't just come to your house and say, we're going to recuse your house because uh, we need to take it over. I think there's still some people in the South that have a bit of resentment from there. There's so many different terminologies that have come from the Civil War out of how things happened down there. But I'm glad that we are still trying to make it back and not hold all the wounds that we've encountered in our country up to now and trying to move forward. Okay, we're going to go to Section 32, Fundamental Principles. A frequent reoccurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of the individual right and perpetuity of a free government. Let me read that again for you. It's fundamental principles, and it's section 32. A frequent recurrence. Fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual right, perpetuity of free government. I'm really having to struggle with that. And what does that really mean? It says constitution is made of three branches. We have the legislative branch, executive branch, judicial branch. And I'm going to break that down into areas in which you can understand here. 
We've got uh, the principles of the Constitution includes the people hold ultimate power in the government. So when people come up and they say to you, you know, there's just this government doing that, say, no, it's we the people. And in my opinion, the way in which we the people keep this moving is through our votes and putting people in power who are competent, for one thing, have your interest in mind and listen to the people and not just Wall Street. From my perspective, the people for several years have been requesting certain actions by their government. And once the political figures get into office, they do the complete opposite of what people have been asking them to do. Republicanism. I never had actually saw that. And what it is defined as, which I thought was fascinating, is people get to choose their government leaders. We're talking about political representatives, right? And I never associated that with the term Republican or GOP. I always associated it with something different than what our Constitution made it to be. Does that mean that it's changed over time? I don't know. But what it states, and I've been educated on that, which is a good thing, is that republicanism means people get to choose their government leaders, not their government leaders get to manipulate to choosing them. Remember, it's very important to vote. Separations of power. Okay. Now, remember, we're still under fundamental principles, sector two. I'm just breaking it out so you can really kind of understand what they're talking about. Sections of power means no one component of the government holds too much power. I need to say this again because I think Trump needs to hear this again. It says no one component of the government holds too much power. Powers are distributed among three branches. Branches make, enforce, and interpret laws. And we saw that with Trump's uh, laws for immigration when the courts in Hawaii and Washington State, another state which I can't pull up right now, said that the rights that he had to take people out of the country was not justified. And that's still going through the courts. It's really important. So I want to just go back and talk about the sector 32. It's called Fundamental Principles. And the main thing that it's trying to get across is our laws within the Constitution work and the three branches of government, which is the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. Fundamental Principles state, which is a little confusing, and that's why I broke it out. A frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual rights and the perpetual perpetuity of free government. And let's go to checks and balances now, because that's part of the same principles. Checks and balances, we're always hearing that a lot, but what does it mean? With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the powers of the others. And we're seeing that happening with actual Trump. And, for example, what's been going on with Putin and him wanting to get his diplomats back into the country. And Trump was going to go ahead and allow that to happen until Congress interjected and said they built a a law that's saying what he wanted to do has to be approved by Congress. And actually, it ended up being approved. So that's an example of checks and balances. When any three branches of our government gets out of balance, the other two can actually intervene and make sure that our our laws and our country stay on track. So let's hope we continue to have something in place where this occurs. So let me go again and talk about checks and balances. With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the powers of the other. This way, no one branch becomes too powerful. Each branch checks the power of the other branches to make sure the power is balanced between them. When they're talking check and balances, now you know what they're talking about. We also often hear about limited government. 
And this, I think, is very important to hear. Limited government means no government is all-powerful. Everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. That means the states can be preempted by the U.S. Constitution. The state constitution looks out for each state, but the U.S. Constitution looks out for the entire country. It says no government is all-powerful. Everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. That's when they're talking about limited government. Individual rights. Individual rights refer to the liberties of each individual to pursue life and goals without interference from other individuals or the government. Examples of individual rights include the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as stated in the United States Declaration of Independence. And we got that from study.com. And then the last we have under fundamental principles is federalism. And that's a term I hadn't actually really heard a lot. But what it means is the power is shared between national and state governments. Let me say that again. So when you hear federalism, when I heard federalism, I don't know why I always just thought of the federal government. But what it actually means is power is shared between the national and state governments. You can see how it ended up breaking out Section 32, Fundamental Principles. I just want to read it. It's really short. A frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of, of individual rights and the perpetuity of free government. And how I broke that out, I just want to summarize just a little bit because it is a bit to go through. It's a constitution that's made of three branches, legislative, executive, and judicial. And then principles of the constitution include popular sovereignty, and that's the people hold ultimate power in the government, right? So the government isn't the power, the people is the power. We have republicanism, which is people get to choose their leaders, right? The political representatives. And this is why you are responsible for making this happen by voting. Is there voter suppression in every state? Not hopefully, not every state, but too many states. Absolutely. What does that mean? That means that you have to take six months before it's time to vote to go and make sure that you can vote and find out what you need to do. And I know it's a lot to ask when you're struggling, and particularly poor people, and have so much on your plate. But this this country is not going to make it without you and your vote. So you really have to do everything possible to get out there and make that happen. It won't happen without you. Separations of powers, right? That means no one component of the government holds too much power. Powers are distributed among the three branches, which we talked about, legislative, executive, and judicial. Branches make, enforce, and interpret laws. The next part of it is checks and balances. With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the power of the others. This way, no one branch becomes too powerful. Each branch checks the power of the other branches to make sure the power is balanced between them. And limited government, which means no government is all-powerful, everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. Individual rights. Individual rights refer to the liberties of each individual to pursue life and goals without interference from other individuals or the government. Examples of individual rights include the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as stated in the United States Declaration of Independence. And the last one is federalism, which means power is shared between the national and state governments. So there we have it. That's Section 32, Fundamental Principles. 
Section 33 is also had to be a bit broken out too, and it's the recall of elected officers. Every elective public officer of the state of Washington, and that's except judges of courts of record, are subject to recall and discharge by the legal voters of the state. Who's the legal voters of the state? It's you. You have the right and you control for recalls of the elective officers or of the political subdivisions of the state from which he or she was elected whenever a petition demanding his recall, we saw this in Wisconsin, remember, reciting that such officers have committed some act or acts, malfeasance and misfeasance, while in office or who has violated his oath of office, stating the matters complained of. This is kind of what happened in Wisconsin. Got got recalled. Uh, fortunately, he survived the recall. I don't know how he did, but he did. If you decide that there's somebody in your state that needs to be recalled, know that most state constitutions provide that opportunity. It has to be signed by the percentage of qualified electors. And then ignore some of these words, the thereof, here and after provided, that gets you a little confused. And that's a come we're taking it a little bit slower on this one. The percentage required to be computed from the total number of votes cast for all candidates for his set office to which he was elected at the preceding election. Okay, so it goes down into the details of what to be able to be recalled, what those numbers need to be basically, but know that you can, or citizens can, request a recall on an elected official. That's kind of the bottom line that you need to know, and that that has to pass by a certain percentage of the people. I'll go on and read. I just want to make sure that you kind of get the gist of it, because it doesn't always come out as clear as you want. All candidates for his set office to which he was elected at the preceding election is filed with the officer with whom a petition for nomination or certificate for nomination to such office must be filed under the laws of the state. So basically, if you're interested in, in actually recalling someone in your state, make sure to go out and read your state constitution, see what it says. If it's like Washington State, you're probably going to have to break it down a bit because it's not always as clear. Uh, make sure you summarize it. And there's also a lot of other people out there and things to look at to be able to help you get through that process. And the same officer shall call a special election as provided by the general election laws of this state and the results determined as therein provided. I know that was not easy to understand. I definitely agree with that, but I hope breaking it a bit made it easier. And also, if that's something that you're interested in, know that you just have time to do it. Be patient and, and keep asking questions and you'll get there. Many people have done it. Uh, you can actually go on to Wisconsin and see exactly what they did. So there's a lot of people who've done recalls, and if that's something you're interested in, believe me, I'm wondering if there's more than far too many in, in our current uh, political system that need recalls. You have to do something wrong in order to make that happen. So don't get too excited about that yet unless you know have been illegal by uh, on a representative. Personally, I think most of them try their best. It's probably very difficult when you're being pulled from different uh, sections of society wanting different things and trying to find that balance may not always be easy. So I do give them credit, at least on that particular concern. Section 34 actually is really about Section 33, so it kind of goes into the same thing. It's a little bit clearer. We'll see how it goes. And it's just called same. 
The legislature shall pass the necessary laws to carry out the provisions of Section 33, which is the recall of elected officials, provided that the authority hereby confirms upon the legislature shall not be construed to grant to the legislature any exclusive power of lawmaking, nor in any way limit the initiative and referendums powers reserved by the people. That means you can't block the people, right? If the people have the rights and they're in and they're following the laws of Washington State in this case, then they need to be able to pursue their ability to recall a representative. And then it goes on, it says, the percentages required shall be state officers other than judges, senators, and representatives, city officers of cities of the first class, school district boards in the cities of the first class. So it gets in the, I actually am going to just kind of drop from that a little bit. You can go out and read it yourself. It's just for a percentage of the recall that they're talking about. But the terminology that they're using, I don't think, is is actually that clear. And I think that we've really kind of covered the gist of it in uh, sec the Section 33s. It is out there for everyone to read. Make sure that you know you can always go and Google the Washington State Constitution or the state constitution in your, uh, for your state to find out exactly what it says. So the last section we're going to talk about is Section 35, and it's Victims of Crimes. And it says, quote, Effective law enforcement depends on cooperation from victims of crimes. To ensure victims a meaningful role in the criminal justice system and to accord them due dignity and respect, victims of crimes are hereby granted the following basic and fundamental rights. So there's that word fundamental again. But fundamental rights for who? Victims of crimes. It says, upon notifying the prosecuting attorney, a victim of a crime charged as a felony shall have the right to be informed of and subject to the discretion of the individual presiding over the trial or court proceedings. So the, they're telling right now what the rights of victims are if you've had something, a crime, against you. You can attend the trial and all other court proceedings the defendant has a right to attend and to make a statement at sentencing and at any proceeding where the defendant's release is considered subject to the same rules or procedure which govern the defendant's right. In this last week or so, we saw that on the O.J. Simpson case where he was up for probation. One of the people who the crime was against actually came to the parole hearing and testified in his behalf. So there's, there are things there to ensure that if there's a victim in a crime that they have a right to speak at, it sounds like, every part of the process that happens on the case. In the event the victim is deceased, incompetent, a minor, or otherwise unavailable, the prosecuting attorney may identify a representative to appear to exercise the victim's rights. This provision shall not constitute a basis for error in favor of a defendant in a criminal proceeding, nor a basis for providing a victim or victim's representative with court-appointed counsel. Right, so that means you have to have your own attorneys. Does this include the victimization of policyholder abuse, the harassment, intimidation of bullying by insured harassers? Insured are victims of crimes when constant practices of insurers hinder the right of individuals living their lives normally 
with the exception of hacking smartphones, laptops, websites, and conjunctions to driving back and forth and parking in front of residents. But let me say that again because to me, when I think of victims of crimes, I believe that when people involved in collisions who actually sign up for an insurance claim for benefits and they run into harassment, intimidation, bullying uh, by insured harassers, to me, this is a crime. This is abuse from my perspective. So let me read this to you again. It says, does this include the victimization of policyholders' abuse via harassment, intimidation, of bullying by insured harassers? Insured, that means you, are victims of crimes when constant practices by insurers hinder the rights of individuals living their normal lives, if that's normal after becoming disabled. It's probably the new normal for many people. With the exception of hacking smartphones, laptops, websites, in conjunction to driving back and forth and parking in front of residents, this certainly sounds like victim's crime to me. Congratulations. We've just gone through the basic fundamentals of Washington State's Constitution. It's been broken down in a way for everyday people to understand. This is just the start of learning how to protect your rights, know when they are being violated, and provide it self-confidence on being able to stand up for yourself. Here's a list of the sections that we've gone over. There's 1, 2, 35. So the section 1 was political power. Section 2 was supreme law, the land. Section 3 is personal rights. Section 4 is right of petition and assemblage. Section 5 is freedom of speech. Section 6 is oaths. Section 7 is invasion of private affairs or home prohibited. Section 8 is irrevocable privileges, franchise, or immunity prohibited. Section 9 is right of the accused person. Section 10 is administration of justice. Section 11 is religious freedom. Section 12 is special privileges and immunities prohibited. Section 13 is habeas corpus. Section 14 is excessive bail, fines, and punishment. Section 15 is convictions and the effect of them. Section 16 is imminent domain. Section 17 is imprisonment for debt. Section 18 is military power. Section 19 is freedom of elections. Section 20, bail when authorized. Section 21, trial by jury. Section 22, rights of the accused. Section 23, bill of attainder. Section 24, right to bear arms. Section 25, prosecution by information. Section 26, grand jury. Section 27, treason. Section 28, hereditary privileges abolished. Section 29, constitution mandatory. Section 30, rights reserved. Section 31, rising army. Section 32, fundamental principles. Section 33, recall of elective officers. Section 34 is the same as 33. Section 35, victims of crimes and their rights. It's not too difficult to understand your rights. When they are not shared and you remain ignorant, it provides the opportunity for abuse and unjust action. So regardless of your situation, stand up 
There are millions of others going through the same obstacles, and you too can make it through. Whether these are actions of auto insurance, employers, social security disability, disability surveillance, or bullying and intimidation. You just hang in there and you'll make it. And now you're equipped to be able to know what's in the Constitution, what your rights are, and how you can take action to protect yourself. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.